Something that is in what you said about being a democratic socialist is a more international view. But I think if you take global poverty that seriously, it leads you to conclusions that in the U.S. are considered out of political bounds. Things like sharply raising the level of immigration we permit, even up to the up to a level of open borders, about sharply increasing open the borders. Open no, borders. That's a, that's a Koch brothers proposal. The really? idea, of course. I mean, that's a right-wing proposal, which says essentially there is no United States. But it would, anybody, it can, would make a lot me. of global poor richer, wouldn't it? And it'd make everybody in America poor. Then you're doing away with with the concept of a nation state. And I don't think there's any country in the world which believes in that. If you believe in a nation state, or in a country called the United States, or UK, or Denmark, or any other country, you have an obligation, in my view, to do everything we can to help poor people. What right-wing people in this country would love is an open border policy. Bring in all kinds of people who work for two or three dollars an hour. That would be great for them. I don't believe in that. I think we have to raise wages in this country. I think we have to do everything that we can to create the millions of jobs. You know what youth unemployment in the United States of America today? If you're white, a white kid, high school graduate, 33%, a Hispanic, 36%, African-American, 51%. You think we should open the borders and bring in a lot of low-wage workers? Or do you think maybe we should try to get jobs for those kids? So I think from a moral responsibility, we've got to do work with the rest of the industrialized world to, uh, to address the problems of international poverty, but you don't do that by making people in this country even poorer. So then what are the responsibilities we have? If, if that kind of zero-sum calculation, right, between someone who is poor by U.S. standards but is quite well off by, say, Malaysian standards, redounds so easily to the benefit of the person in the U.S., and how do we think about that responsibility? I guess I'm asking here for, I agree, you have a nation-state uh, structure. You always are going to. The politics don't allow anything else. But I guess philosophically the question is, how do you weight it? How do you think about what the foreign aid budget would be? How do you think about well, poverty do abroad? And I'll tell you why. I, well, first of all, again, as a United States senator from Vermont, uh, my first obligation, frankly, is to make certain that kids in my state and kids all over this country have the ability to go to college, which is why I am supporting tuition-free public colleges and universities. I believe we should create millions of jobs rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure and ask the wealthiest people in this country to stop paying their fair share of taxes. I believe we should raise the minimum wage to at least 15 bucks an hour so people in this country are not living in poverty. And I think we ended the disgrace of some 20% of our kids living in poverty in America. Now, how do you do that? What you do that is understand there's been a huge a redistribution of wealth in the last 30 years from the middle class to the top one-tenth of one percent. Now, the other thing that you understand globally is you have horrendous imbalance in terms of wealth in the world. As I mentioned earlier, the top 1% will own more than the bottom 99% in a year or so. That's absurd. And that takes you to programs like the IMF and so forth and so on. But I think what we need to be doing as a global economy is making sure that people in poor countries have decent paying jobs, have education, have health care, have nutrition for their people. That is a moral responsibility. But you don't do that, as some would suggest, by lowering the standard of American workers, which has already gone down very significantly. Listening to Reset Race, you now tuned in to Reset Race. Uh, uh, you're listening to Reset Race, you now tuned in to Reset Race. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them, grill them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh.
set race. Adelstein reparations to make America make great. America uh, great. You're tuned in to reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plates. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. You'll find out who really done justice and really who fake. On the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Pennies, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redlining lynchings. We are old from this nation. You're not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG, the wise one. Cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire. Anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country. The way you need our energy. You gonna see? Listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to reset race. Adults need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. You'll find out who really about justice and really who fake. Uh, listening to reset race. You're now tuned in to reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race, you're now tuned in to Reset Race. Put them back on the grill again, we grilling them. Put them back on the grill again, we grilling them. Put them back on the grill again, we grilling them. Back on the grill again, we grilling them. You're listening to Reset Race, Adels need reparations to make America great. You're tuned in to Reset Race, we no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race, we focused on our justice claim, we know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to Reset Race, you'll find out who really about justice and really who fake. On the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Pennies, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redlining lynchings, we are old from this nation. You're not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG, the wise one, cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country, the way you need our energy. You gonna see? Listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh, you're listening to reset race. Adels need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. You'll find out who really about justice and really who fake. Uh. This is clip zero one overall zero four and Coulter. Why do immigrants come here? Sorry, I have a whole production. All this has to be edited together properly. So it's going to be, yeah. So, okay, we're ready. Let's rock. Mm, sound like you on Adderall. Go ahead. <laughs> I've been smoking weed all day. All right. All right, let's rock. Let's slide into the immigration portion of the afternoon, evening. Um, what is the reason 
why most people who are immigrants come to live in America? It varies. It varies quite a bit. Um, I also want to say Bernie Sanders dropped the jobs issue and dropped the working class issue. Why? Because he's put through the meat grinder of one of the main political parties. Um, and you are not going to get, it is the uniparty in Washington against the people. That was what Trump represented. And, then, and the proof of that was the interview. The interview that Bernie gave, I think it was to Salon, and he was, said something about, he was asked about, I remember the guy that, that oh, I can't think of his name right now, anyway, um, who said, well, yeah, of course, you're for open borders, and Bernie Sanders said, no, that's a Koch brothers idea. They want the cheap labor. That was... Which is true. <laughs> something that is in what you said about being a democratic socialist is a more international view. But I think if you take global poverty that's seriously. It leads you to conclusions that in the U.S. are considered out of political bounds. Things like sharply raising the level of immigration we permit, even up to the up to a level of open borders, about sharply increasing open the borders. Of foreign aid. Open no, borders. That's a, that's a Koch brothers proposal. The really? idea, of course. I mean, that's a right-wing proposal, which says essentially there is no United States. But it would, anybody it can, would make a lot me. of the global poor richer, wouldn't it? And it'd make everybody in America poor. Then you're doing away with with the concept of a nation state. And I don't think there's any country in the world which believes in that. If you believe in a nation state, or in a country called the United States, or UK, or Denmark, or any other country, you have an obligation, in my view, to do everything we can to help poor people. What right-wing people in this country would love is an open border policy. Bring in all kinds of people who work for two or three dollars an hour. That would be great for them. I don't believe in that. I think we have to raise wages in this country. I think we have to do everything that we can to create the millions of jobs. You know what youth unemployment in the United States of America today? If you're white, a white kid, high school graduate, 33%, a Hispanic, 36%, African-American, 51%. You think we should open the borders and bring in a lot of low-wage workers? Or do you think maybe we should try to get jobs for those kids? So I think from a moral responsibility, we've got to do work with the rest of the industrialized world to uh, to address the problems of international poverty, but you don't do that by making people in this country even poorer. So the that was what his position used right. to be, but then, oh no, has to be. Sam, Sam, Sam. That's the Bernie I fell in love with. Me too. That's the Bernie that I fell in love with who was real about what was going on. He was logical and he was methodical. He was like, hey, this is this whole open borders thing on what this whole one-sided open borders thing is completely illogical. Completely and utterly illogical, especially if you're trying to raise the minimum wage. It's backwards as fuck. And like I've said often on this show, the left got co-opted by people who want these borders open for various reasons. Maybe they want family members to come in, they want cheap labor, whatever it is, or just keep us on the bottom. That's another, that's another factor. Because uh, we've always, that's all we've ever been to this country is a source of cheap labor, right? So if you flood people in from from around the, around the world who won't who will do our the jobs that we would we would do at a cheaper rate, this is this is the real deal. I mean, if we if that's that's what's going to happen is that we're going to be harmed, and that's what all the studies say that our that black folks who are on the bottom of the of the um of this social economic ladder. Everybody gets barred in above us, no matter who they are or where they come from. That's part of that's part of economics, society, and race 
and ethnicity in this country. It is what it is. We can cry about it, which we should. We should make a lot of noise about it. But anybody that says otherwise is lying to your face. Anybody got anything on that? Um, I absolutely agree. I think that we we just have to have an honest and nuanced conversation about how, I mean, the economic system works in America and how immigration plays into that. I think that we haven't been allowed to actually investigate this issue as, as far as black politics are concerned, because that's for sure. Our, that's for sure. Our black leaders and our black politicians have been co-opted and they, they, like, honestly, I, I don't really have anything to say uh, in regards to what Bernie Sanders said, because he just laid out the facts yep. and mm -hmm. like, if those are the facts, like even he, he highlighted the fact that, you know, uh, black American youth, uh, 50% <laughs> unemployed. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, if we're competing for those jobs because we're the people on the bottom, what sense does it make for us to just like bring in everybody? Mm -hmm. Like anybody and everybody. Yep. Yeah. And this, I'm not saying this, like, this is the fault of the person who's trying to come in here, mm -hmm. but I'm saying like the system is set up for me to lose based off of this. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, uh, shoot myself in the foot just so I can look good in the eyes of who the fuck wants to judge me about this. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with the fucking facts. Yeah. And that's all we can do. I mean, uh, uh, Sam often talks about her running her and the other folks from the, from the formerly known as ADS movement meeting with Karen Bass. Right. She talks about that meeting all the time. She you thinks know I love to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let, I'll let Sam tell you all about it. <laughs> you, know, you know, I got to comfort. You know, I got to comfort Karen, Miss Karen. So in a meeting where we're having a meeting with Karen Bess at the time, she was head of the Congressional Black Caucus. She tells a group of ADOS people who are there to talk to her about reparations. First, she tells us reparations is not her issue and it will not be until we make it her issue. <clears throat> after that she went on to explain to us that we need to import more Africans because black American birth rates are low so instead of helping black people get jobs you know helping us get more money so we can afford to have families get married have larger families your idea is to import more people who tend to not integrate and marry with black Americans who descend from chattel slavery yeah Karen Bass was a mofo she was definitely a mofo, but I got something for you because Mud, um, Mud, you were talking about the CBC. So I got something for that. Yeah, okay. I got something for that. So, and then we can go back to uh, what Ann was talking about after that, but I got something for that. I told you I was on. Peter, you talked about how the Congressional Black Caucus really wasn't all that interested in the kind of things you were uh, finding. What what do you think is behind that? In other words, why? Yeah, I, I I can't speak for them. I think, though, that they have an allegiance to whatever the reigning orthodoxy is in the Democratic Party. And the reigning orthodoxy was, at the time, broadening immigration, including illegal immigration. And I think there was a political imperative attached to that. I mean, you know, no one's ever really done any studies or anything like this, but I think it's pretty plain that, you know, you hear almost every day from various cohorts that uh, 
one of the aims of electoral aims of the Democratic Party, or at least among progressives, is to increase the percentage or the number of people likely to vote for Democrats. And they hope that, you know, blacks used to be the most reliable and still are the most reliable constituency among um, the Democratic Party. And they were hoping, and you've, there's actually been some um, uh, commentary about this, and I think somebody wrote a book about it, that uh, the aim was to change the demographics of the country to be more favorable to a Democratic electorate. So I think that, that may be a component of it. But beyond that, I'm baffled. Uh, again, they call themselves the Congressional Black Caucus, and I would think they'd be concerned about issues that face the black community. There it is. Mm. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, CIS, they're supposed to be a right-wing think tank, but, I mean, this, this is real. This is real. You know, this is the truth, right? Um, like you said but, about... So can, I, can I jump mm. in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I really get to talk, MG. Mm, you said they're supposed ahead. to be a right-wing think tank, but mm -hmm. the standing, the standing um, operating procedure for immigration is you have your favorites like Ryan Knight, Mark mm -hmm. Ruffalo... I see all kinds of white people saying this shit. If you're not Native American, you can't talk about immigration. Fuck mm -hmm. you. Blacks are not fucking immigrants. Mm -hmm. Black Americans who descend from child slavery are not fucking immigrants. And for you white fucking people who be like, well, it, why didn't you immigrate back to Africa? Because we had already been here for over 300 years. We built this motherfucking country. You motherfucking racists came here and stole that shit burn our fucking towns down and did all kinds of foul ass shit. And then now mm -hmm. you have the nerve to ask us why we didn't go home. We didn't go home because we built this bitch. Why don't you go the fuck home? For, mm -hmm. th for those of y'all who've been here a hundred years, I'm talking about white people right now, but people of color say this bullshit too, but I want to focus on the white ones because you know, yeah, I can't so talk about, shit. I can't mm -hmm. talk about people of color without y'all talking about me putting my feet on people who are lower, even though a lot of people of color got way more fucking money than me and my family. Yeah, fuck but, that. Fuck that. They all come in. They all of them come in and get lifted over us. Everybody. Everybody so, steps on our corpses to get what they want. Fuck them. Go ahead. Yeah, course, no. Man. So no, but that's just the real thing with that. So so that's just my whole little thing. Like I'm sorry, give me a second. I lost my train. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like we don't really have allies in this situation. Like the CBC is not backing us. And like I said, everybody kind of comes in to to kind of step over us and do their thing, right? Everybody wants to, everybody comes for the American dream, but they have no problem with it being at our expense. And like I say all the time, I fight more with people of color about us getting reparations than I do with white people. And like I said, mm -hmm. and for white people, and like I said, oh, that's what it is. I hate this fucking narrative. Stop telling us that we can't talk about immigration. You don't want us to talk about immigration because when you start talking about immigration, people realize that everything you're talking is bullshit. Open borders is bullshit. You can talk to me about sensible immigration. You know, mm -hmm. I know that we're never going to be able to go down to zero immigration where there's going to be no immigration. So I would never even try to start at that point. But let's have a conversation of, about what, what a reasonable level of immigration is to this country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that takes a conversation. That takes a math, and it takes understanding what's happening to everybody on either side of that equation, right? Because there are people coming in who may may need help, but it's not just refugees we're talking about here. We're talking about some very wealthy people who fly into this country in business class and plop their asses down and get citizenship overnight, right? And they Ooh. come in. And they come in and they become just as powerful as the white folks here in this country because they have loot, 
Yes, we're talking about brown people. We're talking about Asian people that come here with money and just fall right into white supremacy and shit on us. In the 2017-18 school year, 363,000 Chinese students came to study in the U.S., while only 24,000 Americans went to China. This, on the surface, isn't all that surprising. What's weird, really weird, is how fast it happened. All of a sudden, starting in 2007, Chinese students in the U.S. absolutely exploded, accounting for 93% of all international student growth in the last decade. More students come from China to America than the next six countries combined, including India, despite having almost the same size population. So why so many? Why so sudden? And is the US right to worry about incoming spies? The answer has less to do with academics and more with economics, complex social dynamics, and above all, politics. On June 7th, Chinese cities become eerily quiet. Traffic is as busy as ever, but no horns are honking. Stress is collectively unusually high. Free water bottles are handed out, and drones watch overhead. Today, tomorrow, and sometimes on a third day, 10 million students across China take the National Higher Education Entrance Exam, aka the Gaokao, aka the most important nine hours of a Chinese person's life. The test covers Chinese language and literature, math, foreign language, usually English, and the choice of social or natural science. The top roughly 7 million scores are admitted to college, and a select few are offered places in the C9, mainland China's equivalent to the Ivy League. But unlike the SAT, AP, or IB, Gaokao scores are really the only factor in Chinese college admissions. The first 18 years of your life, therefore, are dedicated to preparation. Leading up to the big test, parents burn incense, pray, and book hotels near the exam to avoid traffic. Students sometimes study with IV drips. Some, known as Gaokao migrants, travel to other provinces with higher admissions quotas in hopes of having a slight advantage. When the day finally comes, provincial governments order quiet streets for concentration and fly drones to catch cheaters. Supporters of the Gaokao say it levels the playing field, creating a meritocracy wherein any student from any geographic or socioeconomic part of China has the same opportunity for social mobility. Critics, in turn, argue a level playing field is only ever an illusion, that success is handed to those with families wealthy enough to afford private tutors. Like continued middle-class growth, the national exam is both a practical and political tool for maintaining stability, shifting questions of who has power and who is entitled to riches onto the individual. The extreme, sometimes insurmountable stress, they say, doesn't even produce good citizens or employees. While Chinese students rank very highly in math and science, they're often seen as lacking in other skills like creative and critical thinking, a side effect of their rigid education system. Classrooms are dominated by the teacher, who lectures behind a podium to a sea of totally silent students expected to memorize as much as possible. To ask questions is both to disrespect your teacher and admit to your peers that you don't understand the material. Finally, discipline is placed above all else, with low performers at one high school not being allowed air conditioning. For any number of these reasons, some disenchanted parents seek a way out. If their child performs poorly on his or her high school entrance exam, rather than lose face, families may place them in international schools, designed to prepare them for exams like the SAT instead. 
Others pursue an education abroad with the intent of eventually migrating the whole family, or simply for more opportunity. The perception is that, while school in China is more intense up until the Gaokao, afterward students feel they've satisfied their family's expectations and can relax at university, whereas American college is when students start getting serious. In other words, students leave China on their parents' suggestion, who usually pay their tuition. And pay, do they. There are English lessons, extracurriculars for admissions, exam fees, and travel costs. On top of that, families pay agencies about $10,000 per child for help in the process. In other words, this is only possible thanks to China's rising, newly wealthy middle class, and the demographics which leave parents with only one child to pay for, and more importantly, only one chance to get it right. The truly wealthy get started even earlier, sending their child to an elite American feeder middle school which can charge up to $60,000, $70,000 a year. And when old-fashioned studying doesn't work, upper-class families resort to gifts, usually about $250,000, and as much as $6.5 There's one more unexpected reason Chinese students come to America. When Deng Xiaoping began opening up the country in the 80s and 90s, creating thousands of newly rich families, he also, for the first time, allowed students to study overseas. For this reason, the first international students who returned to China were its most well-off, launching high-paying, high-profile careers. This association of studying in America and success in life has never faded. So while the American dream may not be alive and well in America, it certainly is in Beijing. Americans have Louis Vuitton, McMansions, and Porsches. Chinese people have Harvard and Yale. One hospital in central China even named its maternity wards after Ivy League schools for good luck. All of these factors help explain this, but they don't justify this. Why did it all happen so fast? To answer that, we need to understand how schools really make money. Broadly speaking, in the US, there are two university business models. The first way a school can make money is simple, charging students. Private schools are the apple of education. They forego massive market share in exchange for a smaller number of higher-paying students. And because they attract high-income families, they can expect good, lifelong customers, aka endowments. On the other hand, the way public schools pay the bills is a little less obvious. Lower tuition is made up for by state and federal funding, aka everyone's favorite, taxes. Government subsidizing is great, when it's great. Low prices grant low-income families access to a great education. The problem is that state and federal governments have other priorities and are subject to economic downturns. During the 2008 recession, Americans spent and made less money, governments collected less revenue, and colleges received less funding. From 2008 to 13, states alone lost out on $283 billion. Now, 10 years later, most of us have long forgotten about the recession, but not universities. Still, in 2018, state funding for higher education was down 13% from before the crisis. So, as government subsidies fell, schools immediately turned to a new subsidy, international tuition. The current model is one where colleges can segment prices without appearing to discriminate. In other words, tuition is set very high, but aid is handed out very generously. The average full-time undergraduate in 2017-18 received nearly $15,000 in total aid. But while something like 85% of students receive some amount of financial aid, international students almost always pay full price. At Michigan State University, for example, in-state freshmen pay $25,064 a year for tuition, fees, room, and board. 
Out-of-state residents pay just over double, and international students pay $9,133 on top of that. Across America, an international student generates about twice as much revenue as an in-state resident. Because we, they feel we're a non-factor. And that's what this reparations movement is, is changing, right? Because we're, we found new tools, right? Which is one of the, which is our citizenship to fight this fight, right? And that's why people are trying to undermine our citizenship or undermine citizens, the thought of citizenship itself in the United States in order to undermine our progress and to bring people in to be, to side with white supremacy and shit on us. We have no allies. And anybody listening to this show, go to any institution for other or for other groups, right? La Raza, those Asian groups, find the ones who are fighting for us. Find the ones that are fighting for us. They don't fighting exist. for they don't they don't exactly they don't exist. Everybody's we got this fighting for their own particular mm, interests. Exactly. Um, but our institutions, NAACP, the CBC, the Urban League, all of them are fighting for everybody. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? So we're being played for a fool and everybody's getting shit off of our activism. Everybody. Everybody's in there talk, everybody want to be Martin Luther King when when they're trying to get shit. But we're the ones that are losing. We're the only ones that's not getting anything for this activism. I'm sorry, Sam. Did I cut you off? Oh, we're getting something. We're getting all the vile. We're getting all the vile and all the hatred from white America and mm-hmm. people of color because they act like mm-hmm. all of these advantages that do come are going to us, and they're not. They're given going to other groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and and yeah, and our, our African and Caribbean brothers and sisters, they they are many of them are just as bad as the brown and white folks and Asian folks, as far as right. we're concerned. Pure African. I'm not an African American. Like like this boy said, like I'm not a. I came here with a flight. I didn't come to America with a sheep. What, bro? What are you talking about, man? So there is a difference, you know. There is a different blood flowing in our strain. So he can't he, he can't say uh, this is not the toughest fight. He knows. Everybody, everybody understands that we are a specific ethnicity in this country. Everybody understands that. Anybody acts like they don't understand that is lying to your face. Even the Pan African Pan African folks that say we're all one black people. But they all understand that a what what and a Nigerian man and Jamaican man are different ethnicities, right? And even different tribes or different groups with groupings within their within their nations, they understand that they're diluting our citizenship. They're diluting our fight and only our fight because that Jamaican dude and that Nigerian dude, if they go back home, they're gonna get full benefits wherever they fuck they came from, right? So they, they are, everybody else is allowed to double dip. We can't, we're not even getting a full dip in this country. Fuck these motherfuckers. I'm, go ahead. Mud, what you got, man? Nah, I mean, I think that uh, you were hitting the nail on the head, um, especially with the CBC stuff. Like, look, I, I don't understand how we got into a situation where our leaders are basically fighting for everyone else but us. And in this fight for other people, they never try to like make any demands or any type of form of exchange of, of, mm-hmm. of like yeah. political support. 
it, it's just like they... Mud, can I jump in real quick? Please hold your train of thought because I just yeah. want to throw this out here. The, uh, go, start looking at the CBC. A large amount of them are Black immigrants. So if you look at it, they are pushing for themselves. They're not pushing for us. Black immigrants are overrepresented in the Congressional Black Caucus. That's why there should be a descendants of American chattel slavery caucus because immigrants and native black Americans who descend from chattel slavery have completely different issues, period. Like yeah. our, our, our interests aren't, aren't gonna align all the time. Like it's gonna have to be worked out from alliance standpoint. And you can't just put us all together like we have the same interests because we don't. But go ahead, I'm sorry, please go Mud. I just wanted to throw that out there because I get what you're saying, but I want to throw that out there because that's that's the reason. It's because we got a bunch of fucking us doppelgangers out here who are showing up looking like us, but they're not us. Well, I mean, that leads me to my greater issue with the Democratic Party um, and the left because from, from my perspective, both of them should be fully aware both of these groups, even though the left, it's, it's very hard to see like the division sometime. Both of these groups should understand that this is how capitalism works as far as like, um, especially for immigrants on the bottom versus, you know, black Americans who are on the bottom. We are competing for the same, um, the same uh, participate- Resources, yeah. Yeah, participation in the labor market. Mm -hmm. we're, we're all competing for the same space. And a lot of times, um, I mean, we, we've seen it happen over and over again. When new immigrant groups come in, we get pushed out of industries. Um, and everyone understands that with the, the immigrant population coming in, uh, that competition leads to lower wages. So if you're coming at this from the position of like a socialist or Marxist and you're still like supporting immigration as it is, basically you're saying you're supporting the exploitation of labor, but you're doing it because you, you wanna guarantee more votes for your side. And that's basically what's, what's happened. We're being, we're being put out there as, you know, sacrificial lambs as far as like, you know, especially the people that are on the bottom of, of within black society. Um, we're put out there as a sacrificial lamb and, you know, we gain nothing. <laughs> we gain nothing from this situation. And uh, I mean, our leaders just tell us to just keep going with the plan and mm -hmm. they're not really offering us anything either. Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing yeah absolutely nothing <laughs> and and it, and it seems like that these 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 leaders the ones that are us that are descendants of slaves here in this country um they seem like they enter every negotiation on their knees <laughs> it seems like they enter every negotiation like okay we're just lucky to be here therefore i'm going to give you everything you want and hope to get something on the back end hopefully all right and that's, that's I think Go that's the thought that they're, they're, they're portraying out to us mm -hmm. that, that they're in such a, they're in such a, a place where they have no room to negotiate. That's mm -hmm. why 
and get actually gain anything for us. The reality is, is that they're not looking for a fight. They're look, they're complicit with whatever uh, the game is. They just want to be able to eat individually in, mm-hmm. in, in politics and they don't give a That's damn. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, they know what it is. They know what it is. Karen mm-hmm. Bass knows what it is. Karen Bass used to be an activist. She knows what it is. That's why she was telling us, oh, you should start a nonprofit. And yeah, so we should go into the nonprofit mill so we can just make money and fuck people. I get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I'm kind of old to become a whore. So <laughs> I'm just saying. Make that money, boo-boo. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Let's let's get back into this. Let's get back into mm-hmm. this though, because we got we got a bit. Well, let me let me clarify something. I, I don't know what's the CIS. I don't know if they're actually a right wing think tank because everybody that talks about immigration that's not talking about open borders gets tagged as being right wing. All right. So uh, I just want to make just want to make that clear. I don't, and I don't, you I know, I would mm-hmm. I would actually challenge people. Please go through their um their their video catalog mm-hmm. and actually like root out if they are because mm-hmm. I've only seen I've only seen the uh, work uh, Americans may not apply playlists. I mm-hmm. have not watched the rest of the video. So for those of y'all who are like they're right wing, the, please take time to go through the videos. And if y'all see some crazy shit, like drop it in the chat. Mm-hmm. You know, like we gotta reset race at activepress.com, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, reset race yeah. activepress.com. Yeah, yeah, reset race at at at, at Yeah. <laughs> I know for real. So like send it to us. Like, no, because like we don't like Uh 100 percent we don't know. All Mm -hmm. we know is these are people who did research and did data, and we're researching data people. Mm -hmm. That's all we can do, right? Yeah. And And and, I'm like Matt, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just saying that's all we can do. Go ahead and say what you're gonna say. Yeah, a lot of I mean, for the most part, for us, for all four of us, right? And most of the people that come on the show and talk with us, we're like Malcolm X in that regard. I I, I, we don't care who says it. We we're for the truth, no matter who it says it. Who it's who it's for and who it's against or who it's against, right? This stuff they're talking about is the truth. We are at the bottom of the ladder, and when you bring people that are at the bottom of the ladder from their countries into this country, we're fighting for particip- as as Mud stated as for, for participation in the labor market, which is already limited, right? I can see if all of us here were at full full employment and everybody with specific skill sets had jobs in their specific spaces, especially those that are educated. Um, and in a specific, especially in a space that that is that is quote unquote looking for looking for people who can do who have those skills like the like the tech companies, right? There are people there are, specifically there are the descendants of slaves here in the United States that have degrees in tech that are out of there driving Uber or jobless or homeless that should be getting jobs before we seek help from outside. Now people call that right wing. People call that. Um, um, uh, what, what's a, the uh, uh, xenophobic? But that's nativist, how the world works. Nativist, but you can call me what, call yeah. me what you want. Mm-hmm. Call American, me what you want. Yeah, American first. Yeah, Go ahead, so, keep going. yeah, I'm yeah. And, and that's what it is. And it's at the end of the day, every country functions like this. That's the wild shit to me, right? If 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 the same dude that's come from India to do the job at half the price of black American would, who has the same degree. Right. A degree that's con- that can be confirmed, by the way, because we, we've we've read about those. We've heard about those those uh, those diploma mills in, in, in India. All right. So they have a degree that's confirmable by an accredited institution who can hit the ground running and do that job. But that person from India will be brought in and and they will they will be um, they'll be they'll be given the job because they're working at a lower price. Right. 
Now, if that black American went to India, you think he's going to get that same deal? Even at half the price of that Indian dude, you think he's going to get the same deal? Fuck no. They're going to hire an Indian dude. It's the same thing in France. It's the same thing in Colombia. It's the same thing in Brazil. It's the same thing in Canada. Right? It's the same thing in, in fucking uh, Denmark, who just had a big scandal about kicking people out of the country who were seeking asylum. Right? All right? So we got to talk about how these things function. You can call me nativist. You can call me whatever the fuck you want. I'm concerned about my kids who are citizens whose family sacrificed in this country getting fucked over because my sons, right, have a 75% chance of falling into poverty no matter what the fuck I do or what my parents did or what my grandparents did. That's what America is doing to us. That's all I got. Mud, what you got, man? Well, I just want to say this. Anyone that is like hearing um, Black Americans who descend from American chattel slavery um, and we're saying like, Basically, we are about ourselves first when we're saying that we're American first. We're saying that we're self-interested. And yes, and if if that computes in your in your mind as like some form of bigotry, then I have to then ask, okay, with all of your plans, since you see the world in a, from a better perspective than us, in all of your plans, where do we fit in? Where do you prioritize us? Tell us your plan and how we actually benefit in the way you're, you're, you're planning things to make up for all the Greek, like all the atrocities that have happened to us in this fucking country. Don't give me this universalist shit where we basically, like basically you're giving us the same crumbs you're giving everybody else. If you're gonna tell me I'm wrong for putting my people first after all the shit we've been through, then you got to tell me a better way. It is what it is. But that's the problem. No, they no, don't no, have no, a better no, way. No, no, I want, I want a proven better way. Not mm-hmm. only do you have to show me a better way, I want you to show me a proven better way. Yeah, what do you have to offer more than a more comfortable bottom? <laughs> that's, re- that's really what they're offering, a more comfortable bottom because we all have right, health care and all this other bullshit. Because we have a lot to get into and mm-hmm. there's a lot here, so... Let's okay. let's keep it moving. Well, so give me a second. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So after yeah. you're done, I'm gonna I'm gonna click to the next thing. So no MG, just mud. You it. Drop the mics. We gonna go to the next thing. And, and it can't be a bunch of talk. Like you gotta you gotta tell me how you're gonna actually get something done in policy. That's all I wanted to say. Damn. Oh. This country, even poorer. So the- that was what his position used to be, but then, oh no, has to be for open borders because he's running as a Democrat. That is what hurts the working class, the, um, the low-wage workers more than anything else. We're just going to keep dumping more low-wage workers on the country. And that is in answer to your question. I mean, a lot of them are coming for the welfare benefits now. As Milton Friedman said, you can't have a welfare state and open borders. Um, In Danish parliaments for asylum seekers and voted to make them tougher. In a 70 to 24 vote, politicians agreed to move asylum seekers who arrive on Danish soil to a reception center in a third country outside Europe where their applications would be processed.
little more than 50% that arrived in Denmark last year, they didn't have a need for seeking asylum. They were migrants that were hoping for a better life. And I understand that. And I, I, I think that makes sense, but that's just not uh, enough to get a uh, resident uh, permit to stay in Denmark. The centre-right Social Democrats who back the bill say it will protect asylum seekers from being exploited by traffickers and making the Mediterranean Sea crossing, as they won't make the journey if they are likely to be rejected. But refugee rights advocates say any humanitarian benefits are misguided, as asylum claims can only be filed at the Danish border. It's nonsense to say that it's going to stop uh, sea crossings because uh, it will not be possible to apply for asylum in the center. So people have. Alrighty, go ahead. That's um, that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. You can go and watch all of the um, rebuttals for it. You know, feel free to. One of you guys talk first because they got the construction going. So I'll, I'll go after you. So mm-hmm. wait, okay. You, you go no, no, first, I wish John was here. Nope, they stopped for a second. I wish John was here because we say this all the time. You can't have all these social programs you want to have in open borders. I'm sorry. It don't work like that. So something's got to give. And also, we got to have a conversation about people coming, people traveling for economics. Like, we're going to get deeper into that because Anna actually brings it up later on. Uh, Anna actually brings it up or she has brought it up depending on how this is edited. So we'll get into that, but you know, economics is not a reason, it's not a reason for asylum. It's not an acceptable reason for asylum. I wish I would have went back and looked at the video when they were having that congressional hearing on asylum and a bunch of our democratic congress people were fighting for people to be able to claim asylum because they have because they're suffering financial hardship where they come from. Black Americans are suffering financial hardship here. We're suffering gang violence. We're suffering sex trafficking. We have women being kidnapped and disappeared. Um, There's nothing different going on in Mexico and everywhere else that's not going on in the Black community right now. And corruption, Sam. And corruption at at the state, municipal, county and federal level we're faith we got to deal with corruption too when all of it all of the corruption ends up hammering us every last bit of it go ahead mud go ahead because that's all i gotta say about this one because like i said you can't you can't do all of this the way you want to like i'm here for it like i'm i'm here for i'm here for all of these social programs you want to do but you got to do sensible immigration it is what it is go ahead mud yeah, and I'm not really one that wants to compare uh, what we do in America to what other countries are doing. But when you listen to these like people that are pushing for like the democratic socialist stuff, they always point to these European countries. <laughs> and well, apparently they are of the same mindset that you can't have a... a like a, a, a welfare state and open borders. It just does not work. Like you gotta, you gotta actually, if you're going to have a government that is um, investing in its citizens, then it has to be clear who are actually the citizens. You can't just open it up to everybody. You can't have a government that's taking care of the world. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. that's it. Yeah, no, that's I, it. Go ahead, Ng. Go ahead. 
Yeah, and I, I think, and there's this, there's so much logic there, right? Um, again, citizenship matters. Citizenship means something. Citizens, citizens, citizens are prioritized, right? That's the purpose of citizenship: is to prioritize the people you you share you share resources with, right? If I go to another country again as a non-citizen, I'm not going to get the same deal. Right. Even if I'm married to a citizen in that country, I'm not going to get the same deal as that that citizen will. It's wild that people want to want us to to accept this open borders bullshit with no reciprocity, especially for us as black Americans, because nobody wants us. <laughs> nobody wants us. We had a guy who uh, went to tried to go to Canada and, and claim and claim refugee claim hardship. Right. A brother got sent back right never mind mexico right i can't i can't go to acapulco and say you know what i like these beaches i want to stay <laughs> and just get and become a citizen that don't work like that so if nobody else even even i i, I liken this this whole um open border shit it's like a the next level of nafta Right. Remember NAFTA with you know, North American Free Trade Agreement, where Canada, United States and Mexico became one trading block. So this open border shit is that next step where we become a trading block for the world, putting pitting the current citizenship into in, into uh, competition with labor from around the world. That's what this is. And I remember the left was up in arms about NAFTA. I remember that very clearly. They were talking like Bernie Sanders was in his previous clip, right? Even the left. But now it's something different. They got co-opted. It is what it is. All right, let's ride. Well, I mean, I just wanted to say it's not just economic, but also political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. It's like, I mean, I, I, it, it doesn't make sense from our perspective, like, to... Basically, look, if people are coming into this country and if they were aligned with us politically, that would be one thing. Mm-hmm. But what happens is that they have their own political issues that they want dealt with when they come here. So yep. we're actually in competition for the same politicians as far as like, you know, um, getting their attention. Mm-hmm. Like, and we, we kind of see that with, with Joe Biden telling us we have to go work with the Latinos. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. after we just we just helped you get into the, the seat of power. We, we got you the Senate. We got you the House. And you're telling us we got to go work with Latinos. You're telling our leaders that. Mm-hmm. And you, that you can't really do shit for them. And since then, you haven't done shit for us. This is, these are facts. Shit. But you've done shit for other groups. Mm-hmm. So and proud of it. So it's not even just an economic thing. It's a political thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got to get serious about all of this. Mm-hmm. And in addition, Mud, it's not. To, and, and when we talk about that political piece, they have their countries lobbying for them to get a better deal here. It's, it's not just it's not just um, the individuals who get here and, and try to become citizens and try to melt into the, into this quote unquote melting pot, their countries are through the, through the, um, through economic channels, through political channels, through diplomatic channels are fighting for them to get a better deal here yeah. as well as putting us, keeping us on the bottom. 
because that's part of the deal. All right, go ahead. That's all I got. Listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in to Reset Race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in to Reset Race. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America great. You're tuned in to Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plates. No. You're listening to Reset Race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. You tuned in to Reset Race. You'll find out we really done justice and really who think. On the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Pennies, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redlining lynchings, we are old from this nation. Not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG, the wise one, cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country, the way you need our energy. Go on, see. Listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh, you're listening to reset race. Adults need reparations to make America great. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to reset race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to reset race. You'll find out we really about justice and really who fake. Uh. Until you do right by me, everything you think about is going to crumble. Now, when we come to Washington in this campaign, 
We are coming to get our check. 